Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Well, welcome back, gentlemen, to another episode of the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men. I got my hot cup of coffee here in hand. It is December the 16th. I cannot believe that it's December the 16th, 2022. We are on the brink. We are on the verge of the most wonderful time of the year. That's right. I love Christmas. I like singing Christmas carols. I'm not the best singer in the world, but I like singing Christmas carols, drinking coffee, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christmas time is just around the corner. In fact, the whole month of December is like Christmas time. And so here we are, December 16th. Gentlemen, if you still have to do shopping for your wife, for your kids, you best be on it. You got nine days until the big day. You got nine days. And we ain't going to let no big, fat, red man red man in a red suit take the credit for our hardworking money that we buy gifts with. No, no, no. We will get the credit. The, the tag on the present will say, from mom and dad, or dad and mom, or dad or mom, right? Not Santa. <laughs> Man, it's going to say from Jesus, our provider, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Merry Christmas, children. Jehovah from Jehovah Jireh, my provider. <laughs> not not Saint Nick. No, 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 no. Anyways, I'm not against Saint Nick or Santa Claus. He's fun, not Christmas. But we, we know as Christians here that Christmas, of course, man, the food, the family, the time off work, the coffee, the desserts, the snow, the... You know, the the desserts, like I, <laughs> like I just said, the turkey dinners, the stuffing, the get-togethers, the Christmas parties, all that good stuff is enjoyable and we love it. But we know that Jesus Christ is absolutely the, the biggest part of Christmas. He's the reason for the season. Amen. And so you best be getting your Christmas shopping on, gentlemen, nine days away. Mind you, that's from the day of this recording. So whenever you're listening, you're, it's even shorter for you. So you best be on it. Um, but again, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this, uh, there, actually, this past Friday, we just had our last frontline men's Zoom prayer meeting. Uh, it's that was our fourth uh, time doing it. Something new I decided to start. And uh, it will be off now for frontline prayer and for the Christmas holidays. And we'll pick up. uh, My intention is to do it every week, every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Frontline men's Zoom prayer. If you want to join, you just email me. Let me know. Uh, I'll be sure to put your email on the the list for that link. And uh, we'll pick that up again in the new year. And we'll continue that as a weekly time of prayer, encouragement, fellowship, just as brothers, as men, brotherhood on the front line of Jesus Christ. So that's that. Last weekend, uh, it's good to be back on the podcast. Last weekend, I was away celebrating my 20th wedding anniversary. And with that, I'm going to take a quick sip. But December the 7th was my 20th wedding anniversary, which I cannot believe It's been 20 years of marriage with my beautiful wife, Cindy. She's the love of my 
life, the greatest joy, the greatest gift that God could ever give to me next to salvation, next to the free gift that God's given to me of salvation and forgiveness of my sins. The greatest gift I've ever received apart from that has absolutely been my beautiful wife, Cindy. I'm so grateful. So we went away for a couple nights to Niagara Falls and uh, rented a really nice hotel for a couple nights and we had steak dinner and we had lots of Starbucks coffee and we ate out every single meal. There was no cooking, there was no cleaning. Uh, our room was just on the top floor of our hotel. The, the view was looking right over the falls and at Christmas time, they have all the Christmas lights out um, down the main strip there. And of course, when we look out of our hotel room, especially at nighttime, we'd shut all the lights off in our room and you just see nothing but lights and Christmas lights. And then of course, the falls are like steaming. The Niagara Falls, if you've ever been there in the winter, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never been to Niagara Falls, you gotta go see Niagara Falls, it's incredible. Uh, and of course they had lights underneath the falls shining up for Christmas and they were changing lights. And it was just a beautiful time away uh, we did some Christmas shopping. We just enjoyed time together, sleeping in. Actually, we didn't really sleep in at all. Uh, our bodies were wide awake because we're both so used to being up so early. So we're, we're up wide awake, which is actually kind of nice because then the days actually seem longer. So here we are on this little vacation and we're up at like 6.30 drinking coffee in our hotel room, but it was a great way to start our day. And then we had the entire day. Uh, on the Saturday, last Saturday, it was beautiful sunshine. Um, where we were and it was cold. And so we bundled up through the old toques on and we walked around all the way downtown Niagara Falls, right up to the falls. The mist was just pounding on us and it was just such a great time away. And truthfully, gentlemen, my wife and I, we, re we really didn't know how much we needed that time together alone away uh, until we actually got back from it. Um, you know, this has been the first week back after that. It felt like a little vacation. It really did. It felt like a, a, a romantic getaway vacation for me and my wife. And that's it. There was nothing to do. No responsibilities. Like I said, no meals to cook, no dishes to clean up, no bed to make, you know, no job to work, no kids to listen to, no kids to worry about. Uh, it was just awesome. Free time. Do whatever you want. It was so good. It was so good. And it was so hard to come back from that. But when we did, we realized what an amazing time we had. And honestly, we prayed about it. We, we just asked the Lord that his favor and blessing would be upon literally the, the food, um, our time together, um, the sleep. Our room was so quiet. I literally prayed for that it would be so quiet because we had concerns of, um, you know, sometimes in hotels you get hockey teams there and they're running around all night long playing manhunt. We know that because my my son played hockey growing up. So when we went to hotels with him on tournament weekends, he and his buddies were running around the hotel. So we were hoping and praying. We prayed for such quiet. And I'm telling you, no word of a lie. We heard nobody like we heard a couple doors shut through the entire time that we were there. It was like we were up on the top penthouse suite and it was so quiet. Like you couldn't hear anything for like 99% of our time there. It was so good, but we really needed it. And I want to encourage you gentlemen, if maybe right now in your, in your marriage, uh, you find yourself, you and your wife find yourself where it's just kind of life is so busy, so hectic with raising kids and working jobs and cleaning the house and going grocery shopping and maintaining the house and just all the responsibilities that life brings. If that's you and you find yourself because of all those things that, that your marriage is just, there's, it just feels kind of dry. You feel kind of distant, you know, by time the evening comes, you're both so tired. So there's no conversation. There's no real, you know, holding hands or any kind of intimacy. You know, uh, you just feel that kind of divide, you know, you, you, you know, you love each other. There's no, like, there's no, there's no question of each other's love, but you know what I'm talking about? Just that it's just a hard season of your marriage. I, I want to encourage you do what you can to get some quality time alone with your wife. It is really important. I, I, we just experienced that. And I'm telling you, prior to that, life was so chaotic and busy. And my wife and I are just dealing with things that we need to deal with in, as part of life. And we knew each other. We loved each other. But it, it's just been busy. And then you're so tired. And, and then you're back up at, at work. And just 
we needed that time and and it really rekindled that fire and that flame within our marriage after 20 years i'm more madly in love and more attracted to my wife than i've ever been and the same goes from her to me i got this slick haircut just for our anniversary weekend and uh, you know i got the little shave on the side but uh my point is is that gentlemen even it it may not be a weekend away maybe you're like matt i can't afford a weekend away i get it listen we've been saving for months specifically for this we knew we wanted to go away for our 20th normally on our anniversary sometimes we do nothing sometimes we'll get mcdonald's takeout and you know fall asleep while we're doing that right so i'm not i'm not saying or suggesting or trying to make it seem like every anniversary we have is just this incredible time it's not but this time was special because it was our 20th year but i'm just saying don't allow life and the hustle and bustle of this crazy life that we live in to to come and divide you and your wife in any kind of way uh get alone even if it's a a, an evening a week or an evening a month uh even if it's just going out for an hour or two you know go walk around the mall go for a walk in the park go out for a coffee go out for a meal You know, if you can get a night alone, have the grandparents watch your grandkids so you guys can have the house. You you know, you can't afford a hotel. Fine. Get a night alone at your home. Right. So you can just have alone time and and allow that time where you can talk and enjoy each other. No responsibilities, no kids, no distractions. You can eat food and drink your favorite drink and hold hands and talk and dream and plan and all the watch movies and sleep in and, and all along during that time you're reconnecting with your wife it's really important gentlemen i've just experienced it because the last couple months for me and my wife have been very difficult and i felt that that dryness that fatigue and that kind of that strain and now we were able to just rekindle that and i'm telling you you it's a it's a necessity in marriage and so that leads me to today's topic we are talking about a man's married life. Okay, seriously, dad, this is taking too long. Can you talk about something else, please? <laughs> this is the fifth episode of this series I've been doing about a man's life. If, see if I can remember. I did a man's prayer life, a man's work life, a man's thought life. Last week was a man's sex life. And this week is a man's married life. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about marriage. Now, Like I told you, we've just celebrated 20 years. My parents, Mike and Julie Noel, shout out to Mike and Julie Noel, my incredible parents who I love very much. I'm very thankful to God for my mom and dad. Uh, They just celebrated yesterday, December the 15th, 44 years of marriage. That's right. I can hear the applause going because you don't hear that too often anymore. 44 years of marriage and they are still going strong. So mom and dad, you're an example to me for my marriage, and I'm just grateful to God for 44 years of marriage for my family, and I just pray and trust the Lord that I will one day celebrate 44 years with my wife plus some. Every year is a blessing, gentlemen. Every day is a blessing with your wife. And so we're talking about a man's married life. A little bit about my wife and I. We met when I was 19 years old. Uh, I've said it before. I came out of a bad relationship when I was 18 years old. And for a year of my life, from 18 to 19, God had to smarten me up. I got serious for God. I got serious in my relationship with Jesus. I fell in love with God and really meant business with serving the Lord. And, uh, And then when I was 19 years old, I met my wife, Cindy, And we began hanging out with friends. We actually met through a mutual friend of ours. And uh, we we would go to this uh, youth church, this youth young adult church in our city. And we would, uh, so we all met up as friends at um, one of our friend's apartments. And so there's like, you know, four or five or six of us meeting there. And my one friend, uh, she comes up to me and she's like, "Uh, just so you know, my friend Cindy's coming over and she has the same car as you. She's five foot, blonde hair, really pretty, really cute. I think you might like her. And immediately, obviously, I knew she was trying to set me up. And I was like, okay. But something in my mind was like, hmm, okay, maybe. And so I remember when she came in the apartment, I looked at her. She was wearing these uh, the, uh, these overalls with this purple striped shirt. I remember her. And immediately, I'm like, I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to marry that girl. And so we started seeing each other as friends. We fell in love with each other. 
And uh, I proposed to her when I was 20 years old. It was Easter weekend. And uh, I got an Easter cake made at uh, the grocery store. And I had them write on the cake, uh, will you marry me? And so uh, she was out of the room and I opened the cake and knelt down on my knees and I had the cake there. And she looked at me and looked at the cake and read the sentence on the cake that said, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And so we got married December 7th, 2002. (laughs) And uh, I was 20 and she was 21. And so I married an older woman. God bless me with an older woman. But again, 20 years of marriage. And over these last 20 years, my wife and I have learned a lot when it comes to marriage. So here we are, 2022. We've learned a lot about what not to do in marriage. And we've also learned a lot about what to do in marriage. We've made many mistakes, more, more on my end. I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll confess, more mistakes made on my end. We've hurt one another throughout our marriage. There's been times where we've hurt each other, not never intentionally, never once intentionally, uh, never physically, obviously, uh, but you know, emotionally. Uh, we've hurt each other. We, you know, you say the wrong words, uh, but we've always been very quick to show forgiveness. And I praise God for that. We've had many seasons throughout our marriage uh, of a lot of struggles. We've had some great pressures and difficulties. We've uh, gone through seasons of great financial lack. We didn't know how we were going to pay the bills, pay the rents, uh, put food on our table. But looking back, God has provided everything that we've needed over 20 years of marriage. And on the flip side, we've also had over 20 years, many blessings, many incredible times of enjoying being married, enjoying living life together, a lot of wins, a lot of celebrations, a lot of laughs. Of course, God's given us two amazing kids over, you know, the 20 year span of of marriage. We've you know, we've lived in multiple cities. We've uh, served in in the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, in God's church, preaching the Word of God and 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 leading worship together. I remember a few years after we were married, uh, actually a, a year after we were married, we felt God calling us into ministry, which we never knew when we first got married. Uh, and my wife resurrected her um, ability to play the keyboard from when she was a, ch- a, a child. And I learned, I taught myself how to play guitar after we were married. I didn't know how to play, but I got a guitar book and taught myself how to play guitar. And for 19 years now, we've been leading worship together uh, as, you know, so a lot of great memories over these 20 years. A lot of joyful memories have been made along with the difficult times as well. That is part of a married life together, of course. Marriage truly is it's like a roller coaster, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. It's all over the place, right? The roller coaster, just, oh, here comes a spin. Here comes some loops. Oh, didn't see that coming, right? That's what marriage really is. Okay, now we're going up. Okay, now we're going down. Wow, we smacked hard down. That really hurt. Oh, now we're going up. This is great. Oh, we're coasting along here. Oh, here's a few more loops, right? That's married life. That's marriage for you. Ups and downs, just like a roller coaster. But ultimately, marriage is a blessing from God. And gentlemen, your wife, if you are a married man, your wife is a blessing from God. And I know that there might be some men listening. They're single men and and they desire a wife. My encouragement for you, gentlemen, is be just continue to pray for God. That's what I did when I was 19. I prayed to God. I actually said, Lord, I want to meet a beautiful blonde-haired woman that loves Jesus more than she will love me. And God answered that prayer. And he will do the same for you according to his will. It's got to be God's time. It's got to be God's plan for your marriage when it comes to who you should marry. And so pray about it. You know, I don't know, maybe even check out some good, legit, you know, respectful Christian mingle websites. And you might connect with someone there and you can go for a coffee. God might use that, uh, you know, way to allow you to meet a wife. Keep going to church. Go to singles uh, ministries at your church. I mean, you know, seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door shall be opened, right? Like that's a principle when it comes to to walking with Jesus. And so I, I, I know some of you maybe are just like, man, I've been praying and asking God for so many years. Just I encourage you, don't just settle. 
Don't just settle for any woman. You want the woman that God has for you, or you're going to set yourself up for a miserable marriage. So you don't want that. But for those of you who do have a wife, your wife, believe it or not, I don't care even if you argued, you know, half an hour ago before listening to this podcast. And right now you guys are like, you know, cold shouldering each other. I don't care. That wife, that woman that you have is a blessing from God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Your wife, the Bible says, is a treasure. Another version says a good thing. You found a good thing in your wife. Listen to Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord God said, this is in the beginning when he created a man. Now he was about to create a woman, a wife for Adam. Of course, we know Eve. We talked about Adam and Eve last week. But Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Your wife is your helper, your helpmate, right? It's not good for you to be alone. And all the men said, amen. Listen, I, I know, you know, in times past before I was a married man uh, and truthfully times in being as being a married man when you are alone that's a time for trouble of course temptation comes in when you're alone your thoughts run wild the only one that you can talk to is your mind or of course Jesus which is better than your mind but I'm saying it's not good for a man to be alone and God knew that right from the beginning so he's like I'm gonna make you a wife your wife is a gift from God. So the Bible, like we looked at when we talked on our last, on the last podcast, we talked about a man's sex life. We know that we allowed on that podcast and I allow, and we should as Christian men, we allow uh, the, we, that we find our definition of marriage in the Bible, right? We not, not society and culture or even our own thoughts. The Bible defines marriage. And of course, I read this passage on the last podcast, but it applies to a married life as well. Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. He leaves home. He moves out. He has a job. He's He moves out to do life on his own. He leaves his mom and dad and is joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That's in Genesis 2.24. And then Jesus also quoted this in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 6. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer, this is Jesus speaking, so then they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, Jesus said, what God has joined together in marriage, let no man separate. Let no man separate separate, right? And unfortunately, we know that a lot of marriages end in divorce. We know that's an unfortunate reality. Uh, you know, things like adultery, somebody has an affair. Uh, this is a reality and, and, and people slip into these uh, sinful patterns, which cause divorce, selfish, sinful choices made uh, and trust is broken. And then it leads to the unfortunate reality of divorce. But, you know, the reality is, Marriage is supposed to be a lifelong covenant. You know, you'll see on weddings. I remember on my wedding day, we got up there before uh, the minister and we said vows, right? Everybody says vows. And they're like, yeah, I promise to love you in sickness and in health till death do us part. And they say these things and then like a year down the road, they're divorced, right? They didn't mean it. And, and so often we can quote these vows before God, you know, we say this before in the presence of God and and all these people here who love us, uh, they, we say these words, but it's just all empty talk. It's empty words. They're, it's not a vow. It's not a covenant. It's not a promise. They're just empty words. We're not meaning what we're saying. And we should. We should. It should be until death does us apart. I'm yours forever, right? Through thick through thick and thin, through sickness and in health, and, and till, till I die, I'm yours, babe. Like, I'm your husband. You're stuck with me forever. That should be the reality. And I understand that sometimes divorce happens and it's unfortunate. And maybe you are a divorced man. I have a close family member uh, who is divorced uh, and it's unfortunate. But 
you know, this particular wife uh, ran out, ran out on on this um, this family member of mine, and wanted nothing more to do with the marriage. And so, you know, this person's hands were tied, and with lots of prayer, seeking God, seeking counsel, you know, the marriage ended because of her decision. She she walked out. She she wanted nothing more to do with the marriage. And so if maybe that's the scenario that you have and and I, I my heart breaks for you. I, I understand that pain, but I want you to understand that God can restore because in my family, God's restored that family member uh, with an amazing new marriage that is blessed by God. And so he can do the same. God is uh, a healer and God is able to restore. Amen. And also you need to understand, although divorce, according to the Bible, is a sin, it's against God's will, but it happens, there's forgiveness available. There is. If we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But at the end of all of it, divorce is never God's will. God's will for marriage is that it goes until death does us part. Remember, Jesus said there, let no man separate this marriage. But if divorce happens, God can heal that pain. God can restore lives after a divorce and God can restore marriages that are on the brink of a divorce. Maybe right now you're on the brink of separation or the brink of divorce. Listen, if you can pray, if you can trust God, man, if people can be praying for you, believing God for a miracle, God is a miracle working God. He can restore your marriage right now that's on the on the brink of separation and divorce. That is the God we serve. But it says in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, that God, in fact, hates divorce. It's not his will. Unfortunately, in the, in the United States, about 50% and Canada, probably the world, about 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's the, the, the stat, the current stat. 50% of marriages end in divorce. The average age for couples going through their first divorce is about 30 years old. That's me 10 years ago. I couldn't imagine at the age of 30 now having to deal with with the divorce and potentially children being involved with it as well. Uh, Couples who are married between the ages of 20 and 25, which is young to to get married. I was 20. I was young. Um, I think a lot of people get married in their late 20s now, even early 30s. But couples who are married between the ages of 20 to 25 are 60% likely to get a divorce, probably because they're not ready. They're not, they're not mature enough. They don't understand what they're doing. Um, it's known that there's five professions, five um, types of jobs that have the highest divorce rates. And then there's five types of jobs that have the lowest divorce rates. The five professions with the highest divorce rates are, number one, at 43% divorce rate, it says dancers. I'm assuming that's probably like, you know, nightclub strip kind of dancing, right? I mean, it makes sense. If a married woman's doing that, I really can't see that marriage going very well. And so 43% of of people who are dancers, whatever that looks like, uh, 43% chance their their marriage will end in divorce. Uh, 38% chance for bartenders. When you think about that, these are these are stats. Bartenders are you know working late into the wee hours of the morning. You know if it's a female, she's mixing and mingle with all these men, probably flirting. You know with the bartender, and then they give in and oh I'm married, but hey now I'm a little tipsy and you know we're flirting here and it's late and it's I'm feeling kind of party hardy and you know so 38% of bartenders will get divorced. Uh, 38 also 38% of massage therapists makes sense if you're gonna become a a masseuse you you best know it's right for you because i mean literally massage therapist masseuse it's you're rubbing the body the back and the shoulders of other human beings and it might be the opposite sex and i'm just saying i'm not sure if that's wise you know this is a christian men's podcast if you're a christian man i maybe don't recommend becoming a masseuse uh the only person i want massaging me is my wife and the only person i want to be massaging is my my wife. And so I'm just saying 38% of massage therapists, 
statistically show that uh, they will get diverse divorce. Uh, 34% of gaming cage workers. I didn't know what that was, but those are like the workers who work at the casinos and they're handling all the casino games and stuff. You know, again, probably, you know, they're in an environment where there's there's money and partying and beautiful people all around dressed in the finest of clothes. You know, a lot of revealing clothing, a lot of flirting, a lot of drinking, you know, gaming cage workers, 34 percent of their marriages will end in divorce. And then gaming service workers, probably the similar kind of work, 31 percent. So those are the five professions with the highest divorce rates. Now, here's uh, five professions with the lowest divorce rates. I just find this stuff interesting. Uh, farmers, good possession. Only 7.63% of farmers will end in divorce. Uh, podi- podiatrists. I didn't even know what a podi- podiatrist, I can't even say that word. Podi- pod- <laughs> I'm totally butchering this word. Podiatrists. I think that's how you pronounce it. of (laughs) I'm so embarrassed right now. Podiatrists, I apologize. What they are, they're medical care and treatment, people that work with treatment of human feet. Now, when I noticed that that's what a a podiatrist was, um, there, I said the word good. They're probably like massaging people's feet. Now, I know for me in my marriage, one thing my wife loves is for me to massage her feet and it make it feels really good and it relaxes her. And the very few times where over 20 years of marriage where she's had the courage to massage my feet, um, I can understand why, man. It, feel, it just relaxes you. And so it makes, you know, it, it, apparently people working with other people's feet, only 6.8% will end in divorce. Weird, but it is what it is. Uh, only 5.61 of clergy, which is really truly unfortunate. Clergy, of course, is ministers of the gospel, pastors, pre, uh, I guess not priests, uh, they're not married. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, people involved in ministry, uh, it shouldn't even be, fi- it should be 0% of, of them ending in divorce. Uh, again, I know unfortunate situations happen, but 5.61% of clergies, uh, only get divorced, uh, Optometrists, only 4% of optometrists marriages end in divorce. So you should be uh, an optometrist because then you're, there's hope for your marriage. And then an agricultural engineer. I have no idea what that was, what that is, but 1.78% of agri- agricultural <laughs> engineers, their marriages get end in divorce. Saying all of that, divorce happens. Now, the top seven reasons for divorce in Canada, and I'm going to assume North American and also probably on a global scale, are number one, money. They say that money, arguments about money, pressure, stress about money, um, you know, fights about money, all of that stuff is the number one reason why pe- marriages end in divorce is money, not, not handling finances properly or together in unity. Uh, Number one reason for divorce. Number two is cheating. Obviously, you're unfaithful in your marriage. It ends in divorce. Uh, constant fighting, uh, intimacy or lack lack of intimacy, um, struggle with an intimacy. That's a that's a big one. That's the, the number four reason for divorce in Canada. Uh, abuse within the marriage, drug addiction within the marriage, probably alcohol addiction as well. And an early pregnancy. The wife gets pregnant earlier than they're wanting, which is really unfortunate um, that they would even consider divorcing at the fact that you're pregnant, expecting a child because of selfishness, because you don't have your career in place yet. You don't have your dream house yet. Uh, therefore, we can't have this baby. Why, you know, I thought you were on, I thought you were on the pill. I thought, you know, we were using, you know, protection. I thought we were fine, you know to be intimate with each other and not get pregnant. I don't want a baby now and we're and it blows up their marriage. That's just absurd and so unfortunate. But those are the top 7 reasons probably North American wide for divorce within marriages. But again, God can restore and heal and rebuild your marriage. Amen. I believe that. So listen. There are two important truths I want to get into here that we learned about in marriage. Number one, we've talked about it briefly, but God created marriage. Just like God created sex, 
God created marriage again, one man, one woman, becoming one in the con the, the context and the covenant of marriage. So even though you are one with your wife, right, you are still an individual. But after after you say that I do, I mar- will you will you take this woman to be your wife for all, you know, until you die, you know, whatever they say there. And you say I do. In that moment, the rings on the finger, the papers are signed. Boom, the the people have the witnesses have seen. God is watching. The minister declares, "Kiss the bride." Boom. You are now one. Yes, you are still individual human beings, but now you are one with your wife. Therefore, now you have one life together. You have one life together. You no longer have two lives. You are now individual, two individuals with one life. Your wife comes before your hobbies, your toys, your buddies, your own desires. Next to God, gentlemen, your wife is your priority. She is first next to God because you are one with her. Husbands should prioritize their wives. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Notice that Paul is saying, value others above yourselves. Gentlemen, you need to value your wife and her longings, her needs, her desires more than your own. You need to consider your wife more than yourself. She needs to know that she is your priority. She needs to know that you have her back. You have her best interests in mind. And in doing this, you are going to show that you love your wife. And we are called in the word of God. Husbands are called to love their wives. Love them. Some marriages are a man and a woman living in the same house, but they're just like roommates. There's no emotional intimacy. There's no family time. There's no sexual intimacy. There's no conversation. There's no spiritual intimacy. There's two strangers living in the same house and they're married. But that's not a marriage. It really isn't. That husband, that wife, they're called to love each other, to lay down their lives for each other, to consider the others more important. You you might be like, yeah, she never considers me. Well, maybe not. But if you just start to intentionally consider her needs and her desires, what she needs, then she will in return do the same. But we are called as husbands to love our wives, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives. Jesus gave himself up. He laid down everything for the bride of Christ, for us. And we are called to love that way. We lay down our lives for our wives because we love them. And that's the way that Jesus loves his church. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. So we're called to love our wives. And now Peter's saying, husbands, you must give honor to your wives. Now, honor means to demonstrate high respect or great esteem for someone. By honoring another, you are saying that you see great value in them. Do you tell your wife the things in the areas of her life where you see great value? Do you tell your wife how you appreciate her? All the things she does for you, for your family, for your kids, for the home, you know, everything she, my wife does so much and I want to make sure I'm showing her and telling her that I appreciate her. I want to honor her. I want to demonstrate to her great respect and honor. And I want her to know that I see great value in her. I want to honor her. We're called to honor our wives. First Peter 3, 7 continues. 
It goes on to say, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Again, you are two individuals with one life living in the same house. Anybody, anybody, I don't care how much you love each other. When you are two individuals living under one roof in the same quarters, there's going to be fights. There's going to be disputes. There's going to be arguments. And we are called to treat our wives with understanding. It doesn't mean we allow our wives to walk all over us. Of course not. That, that's not what this, what this means, but it means that we're to understand. Don't write off what your wife needs. Don't write off what she's expressing to you. Maybe she's trying to talk to you and you're just kind of writing her off. Oh, it's, you know, you're just being emotional. You're just being hormonal. It must be your time, right? Like, all, don't do that. Understand your wife. Understand how she's feeling. Don't belittle how she's feeling. Don't disregard what she's saying or what she needs understand your wife. 1 Peter 3, 7 continues. This is a great verse for married men to read. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it continues. It says, she might be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner. Listen, we know that women, most women, are physically weaker than men. God's designed and made men physically, in most cases, uh, physically bigger, taller, kind of thicker, you know, uh, certainly not as smart <laughs> as women, just kind of joking there. But but we know that in most cases, you know, I know my wife is physically weaker than me and maybe yours is the same and there's there's nothing wrong with that. So the Peter's saying here, she might be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner. Your marriage is equal partnership in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. God is saying to you, married man, treat your wife with honor and respect and understanding and love so that your prayers are not hindered. If you are not treating your wife respectfully, if you are mistreating your wife, if you are dishonoring your wife, if you are not protecting and providing for your wife, if you are belittling your wife, if you are ne- neglecting, if you are neglecting your wife, if you are making her feel this small, putting her down, disgracing her, embarrassing her, shaming her, if you are not loving and understanding and taking care of your wife, the Bible says that your prayers will be hindered. Don't assume and don't expect God to answer your prayers if you are mistreating your wife. You need to love her like Jesus loves the church. You need to lay your life down for your wife in love, sacrificial love. Don't expect if you are not treating your wife the way that the Bible tells us to treat our wives, do not expect God to hear and answer your prayers. The Bible says that your prayers will be hindered. This is really important stuff. So you and your wife are one. You do one life together. There's no double life. No separate apartment in a different city. There's 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 one life together. Gentlemen, if you have a double life, it's crazy. You see on news stories that some men literally have another woman with other children and it's all a secret. Like, oh my goodness, insane. You have one life with your wife. You're one with your wife. You have one home right? You have one home together, whether it's a condo, an apartment, whether it's a tent, a trailer, whether it's a mansion, whether it's a house, whatever, a townhouse, whatever it is, you have one home, one life, one marriage, one one home together. You have one faith, right? You, the Bible talks about don't marry somebody and uh, who's not a believer, right? Christian men need to marry Christian women. You, you can't have two two different faiths, Right? You, you don't marry someone of, a, of another religion. Don't marry someone who doesn't believe in Jesus that, that you believe in. It's not going to work. It, it, you know, the Bible calls it being unequally yoked. It's, you, you know, you're yoked together and it's unequal and you're not going to go very far and do anything well. God says, don't marry an unbeliever. It is against God's 
will, and it's not going to end well. You want you want to have one faith with your wife in your marriage, right? So you can raise your children in the same faith, right? You worship the same God. You believe the same God. You can pray to the same God, believe in prayer with the same God, have spiritual intimacy together because your faith is in one God, Jesus Christ in the word of God. You have one church. Don't go to a separate church. Oh, I don't like the music there. I'm going to go to this church. I don't like the people there. I'm going to go to this church. Okay, babe, have a good day at church. Yeah, you have a good day at church. You want to worship Jesus together. Worshiping corporately together as you meet in church together. You want to serve under one pastor together. You want to serve the body of Christ in church together. You want to have one church. Don't go to separate churches. That's not good. You want to go to one church together because you're one, you have one life together. You're one with your wife in marriage. Another one, you want to have one bank account. Your money is not just your money anymore. When you are married, your money is her money and her money is your money. It's now your money. Whatever income you make, whatever income your wife makes, doesn't matter if yours is 10 times more than hers, or it doesn't matter if hers is 10 times more than yours. Your money is each other's. You, it's the same. You, you have one bank account. One, don't have a separate bank account. Hey, you know, hey, honey, uh, you know, I got my paycheck. It's in my bank account. Here, I'm going to give you your allowance. Did you do your chores? Okay, yep. Here's here's $100. Uh, did you, how many meals did you make this week? You made four meals. Okay, so there's $20 per meal. Okay, uh, you know, and you're handing out allowance to your wife. No, no, no. Yeah, but yeah, but bro, she she makes she's only part-time. She only makes ten thousand dollars a year, right? I'm I'm racking in like like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm racking in, I'm the I'm the money maker. I'm the I bring home the cheddar, right? This isn't fair. I'm gonna have my account. No, you're one. In marriage, you are one. I encourage you regarding finances and marriage to Save as much money as you can. I know saving money for the average family can be very difficult. I know over our 20 years of marriage, we've had challenges saving money. And by the grace of God, we have a little bit saved up right now, which we can, you know, we're trusting God that we can continue to build onto. Uh, But that's important. You want to be putting away, put away whatever you can, whatever you can, even if it's like, you know, $10 a month, we'll start there. $10 a paycheck. Every time you get paid, you know, you're putting savings away. That's something my wife and I are still learning to do. If you have debt, you want to together as husband and wife together, pay that off. You know, it's your debt. You know, maybe you got married and and the woman you married had, you know, $15,000 of student loans and maybe you had no debt. Well, now that you're married, you also have $15,000 of debt. Because she's your wife. It's not hers. Oh, honey, you deal with your debt. No, no, no. That debt is now your debt because you're one in marriage. So now pay it off together. Do what you can to pay off that debt little by little. Save little by little, right? Set financial goals little by little. Do it together in marriage because you're one. You see, in marriage, we make decisions together. We make a home together. We worship God together. We pray together. We serve people together. We, we raise our children together. We do life together. Now, even though you're one, like I said, you're still two individuals. It doesn't mean you can't have your own, you know, time where you go out with your friends and, and go out, you know, go out and play golf or go to shoot pool or, you know, go hit the bowling alley or whatever your interest is. You know, it doesn't mean like your wife can't go out for, you know, some some tea or coffee and go to the mall shopping with her girlfriends or any of that stuff. That stuff's actually healthy and needed. My preference and thankfully my wife's preference is that we spend all of our time together. You know, occasionally we'll do something else, but I I don't go out with friends. I I'm more interested in being home with my wife. She's my very best friend, and I'm grateful that I can say that. And I'm saying that in all honesty before you as you listen to this. My wife is my best friend. I have the most fun with her. I want to spend my time with her, and she feels thankfully the same way about me. And so, but then very, you know, occasionally it's like, honey, you know, go go out with your sister, go out with your friend, you know, go go out by yourself. Like it's important that even though you're 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 married doing doing life together, you still need to have some individuality that's healthy. And, and needed, 
you know, to, to do some hobbies and, and, and interests and things that you like doing. But at the end of all that, remember that you are one. You are one in your marriage. Of course, the Bible talks a lot about marriage. You can read all about marriage in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, Colossians 3, 1 Corinthians 7. There's a lot of instructions from, from God in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I'm going to read this important one here, Ephesians 5, 21 to 25. It says, further, submit to one another. This is speaking about marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Jesus Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. And then verse 33 says, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So we are called to submit to one another. Yes, the Bible teaches that the man is the head of the family. The husband is the head of the wife, like Jesus is the head of the church, okay? But it doesn't mean that the husband calls all of the shots. It doesn't mean that the husband orders and commands his wife to do. It doesn't mean like Andrew Tate, this Andrew Tate guy who's blown up in the news lately, he, he says and claims when a man marries a woman that now he he owns, basically he owns that woman, that she's his property. And that's not true at all. You love her. You you serve her. You submit to her. You, you want to love her like Jesus loves the church. And so we're called as husband and wife to submit to each other. We want to show submit to each other in love. We want to we want to honor each other. And then men, listen, if you are loving your wife like Jesus loves the church, your wife's going to want to willingly submit to your authority as the head of the family. Right? If you are being a jerk, if you are dominating and and you're rude and you're arrogant and you're just you're you're just mistreating your wife, there's no way she's going to want to submit to that leadership. That's not even leadership. That's not love. That's not serving like Jesus served. We're called to love our wives. And then our wives in return will willingly desire to submit to that love. And we'll have a submissive, submissive uh, unified relationship in our marriage. We serve and submit to our wives. They serve and submit to us. And, and we by the grace of God, we lead our families. We are the head of our wives and our families. And we, we fear the Lord and ask God for wisdom so that we can do that properly. It's a huge role. Men, we are called as married men with a huge responsibility to be the head of our wives, to be the head of our families. And we need God's wisdom and his grace to do it properly. And we give ourselves up for our wives. We don't dominate them. We serve them. We love them. And we treat them with honor. And again, in verse 33, it says, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. That is the one thing. A wife wants to be loved and, and know that she is secure in her marriage and a man wants to be respected. We want to be respected by our wives. We love when they, they, they tell us that how much they appreciate how hard we work for our families, how much they love us and respect us as men. That's what we love, long for as men. And that's what we're called uh, to receive from our wives as we love them like Jesus loves us. God's given us a huge responsibility to, to serve each other, to consider them more than ourselves within our marriage. Because our marriage, gentlemen, is not primarily for our benefit. It's for the benefit of our wife. And I truly believe that God is making us men as more like Jesus Christ in our marriages. When we go through those difficult seasons of marriage, God is teaching us to be more like Jesus within our marriages. We serve each other. 
We love each other. We enjoy each other. We protect each other. We do life together through the good and the bad. And we enjoy the intimacy that God wants to bless us within our marriages. I talked about it earlier, but sometimes in our marriages, we don't feel close. We feel like this divide within our marriages. Life can can pull us apart from our wives, work and responsibilities and sickness and sin and children and on and on and on, things to do, places to go, people to see. It can start to divide us within our marriages and we need to take, I've said it before, I'm saying it again, we need to take intentional time alone with our wives so that we can regain that connection. I cannot stress that enough. We want to have a a healthy intimacy within our marriages. And I'm not just talking sexually. I'm talking in every way, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. We want to have intimacy, closeness with each other. That's what intimacy is. It's it's closeness with your wife. Emotional intimacy. It's a thing, gentlemen. Now, most men don't like talking about their feelings, but we need to talk about our feelings and we need to we need to learn how to talk in our marriages to talk to our wives about our feelings because they know when you're feeling down. They know when you're feeling insecure. They know when something's on your mind. They know when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're hurt, when you're confused, when you're afraid. They know that you can't you can't hide that from them. And so you need to learn in a healthy way how to properly share your feelings and your emotions with your wives. It might be kind of awkward. It might feel kind of embarrassing. But I'm telling you, if you can do it to a certain line, you don't want to just puke everything out on your wife. And now she's carrying this massive load of puke that you've just ralphed all over your wife. You want to, to a certain line, lay it out. Let her, let her, let her feel what you're feeling. Express to her how you're feeling so that you guys can pray together and walk through those times together because you're one. You need to learn, gentlemen, to talk about your feelings. We want to have spiritual intimacy within our marriage. We want to make sure we're spending time in prayer together with our wives, praying for our wives in our in our times alone with God in prayer. Again, we want to worship God together in the same church. We want to have spiritual intimacy with each other. This is a crucial aspect of Christian marriage for a man's married life. Again, we talked about sex last week. I'm not going to talk long, obviously, about it. But sexual, physical intimacy is really important. And one aspect regarding your sexual intimacy with your wife, gentlemen, is you want to talk about sex with your wife. I didn't, I didn't talk about this at all on the last podcast about a man's sex life. But in marriage, you want to make sure you're discussing your sexual intimacy with your wife. Let her know, you know, how you're feeling about your sex life with your wife. Because every uh, everybody has different sexual desires, right? The, 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 the libido in each person is different. And sometimes that can like rear its ugly head in different ways and kind of collide, right? The man's expecting, you know, certain things sexually and and intimate and intimately with his wife and the wife's expecting other things and if there's not you know that proper communication and we're not talking about this kind of thing then it kind of comes together and it's just a train wreck so you want to make sure you're talking tell each other your sexual needs tell them you know talk to talk about your fears your insecurities when it comes to uh your sexual physical intimacy. Be honest and open with each other. Have these conversations. Don't just assume that it's all going fine. Right? There's going to be times where it gets awkward in your in your marriage when it when it comes to your, you know, intimacy and your your physical sexuality together. There's going to be moments. There's going to be times where it didn't go well. It didn't go as planned. You know, it was embarrassing or fast or or it didn't happen. It didn't work out or whatever it is, right? Like you get walked in on by your kids or whatever it is. These these things happen. Real life happens. And so you need to make sure that you are talking openly with your wife regarding your sexual intimacy. Another key trait in marriage for a man's married life is make sure you apologize quickly. You're going to hurt each other. You're going to do dumb things. She's going to do dumb things. It's going to happen, but you want to apologize quickly. You want to be quick to forgive when your wife wrongs you. 
You want to be quick to ask forgiveness when you wrong your wife. Because these things, these divides will come. But we want to be able to show quickly forgiveness within marriages. This is huge. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 to 27 and don't let or excuse me don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil you don't want in your marriage to go to sleep at night when you are angry and there's not been forgiveness within your marriage. There's been times throughout our marriage where we've, we've had to stay up late into the night until we can talk and communicate and get on the same page and show forgiveness and understanding with arguments that my wife and I have had. I think there's might've been one or two times where we fell asleep and we were angry and guess what? You wake up the next morning and it's still there. Now you still have to deal with it. God is saying, don't, don't fall asleep when you're ang angry together. Don't let the sun fall down on, on your anger. You know, make it right. Do whatever it takes to make it right. Because the enemy, you know, you wake up the next morning, that thing wasn't dealt with. Now you go to work and your wife's still sleeping. And all day long, you're festering because there's no forgiveness. You guys went to bed angry, arguing with each other, fighting with each other. Now the enemy's lying to you saying, yeah, your wife doesn't deserve you. You know, you should be treated better than this. And the enemy's just in there. He, he's, he's got a foothold in your marriage. Don't let the sun fall down on your anger make it right be quick to forgive gentlemen and one last point i want to make before i close this podcast in your marriage gentlemen don't become too busy life gets busy we have so many things to do so many responsibilities i get it but don't allow yourself to become so busy that you neglect your marriage you neglect your wife you need to make sure your marriage your married life is a priority in your life, more than your job, more than your buddies, more than your career, more than your desires, all more than your goals, more than your workout, you know, routine, your marriage. Don't become so busy that your marriage is neglected. Spend quality time together in your marriage. Yeah, we don't get along. Spend more time together and allow yourself to get to know each other so that you can become the best of friends and you'll want more and more to spend time with each other. Don't allow yourself to get too busy. God takes marriage very seriously, gentlemen. He really does. And I want to close this podcast with what's known as the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read a few verses from this and then we're going to close. But a lot of times you'll you'll hear this passage read at like weddings and stuff because it's called the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 7. Just going to take a quick sip. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others... I would have gained nothing. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Verse 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all of these is love. Gentlemen, we are called to love our wives. And notice that love is it doesn't demand its own way. Love keeps no record of wrong. 
Don't hold on to the wrong things that your wife has done, the sins of her past, the things that are in the past of your marriage. Don't hold on to those things. You, They are said and done. When you ask God to forgive you of your sin, the Bible teaches that he forgets about it, that he He casts them out as far as cast your sins away as far as the east is from the west, that your sins are at the bottom of the sea, the sea of forgetfulness. He no longer holds your sin against you. You should not do the same for your wife. It keeps no record of wrong. Love never gives up. Love endures through every circumstance. That is right in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can be so spiritual, you can be so successful and, and have all the accolades of this world and have no love, you have nothing. And then there's hope and faith and love. And the greatest of these is love. And we are called to love our wives as Jesus loves the church. And so gentlemen, go and love your wife in your marriage. Do it as unto the Lord. I, I hope that you're challenged. I hope that you're encouraged by this podcast. I really do. And I pray God's blessing over your marriage. I know it can be challenging. I know it can be hard, but don't give up. Love doesn't give up. Love endures. So keep going and love your wife. Even in the really hard times, love your wife and do it as unto the Lord. Gentlemen, until next time, just keep standing on the front line. Again, I'd love to connect with you. Hit me up on Instagram, Facebook at The Frontline Man. If you need prayer, send me an email, standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks for joining me on The Frontline. We're done here. Time to go. I hope that you were challenged, equipped, and encouraged to remain standing for Jesus, your marriages, your families, and the plans and purposes of God for your life. I am prepared. I'd love to connect with you. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at The Frontline Man. Follow me and you're in good company. Watch the podcast on YouTube. Watch it. And also email me questions, comments, or prayer requests at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. I just want to talk. One more thing. If you could please leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this would really help spread the word of the podcast to other listeners around the world. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. Until next time, gentlemen, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God. We stand ready.